Hello, and thank you for dining with us here at Under the Bridge. <laughs> because the menu changes every week, and the head chef is a jerk bag who is constantly throwing his opinions all over the place. We are still grateful that you joined us. And here with me is the sous chef, Greg. Hi. <laughs> there was actually a joke I wanted to make when you said throwing opinions all over the place, but it's like, no, we don't want to get de-YouTubed or bleeped out in the first, like, 30 seconds. <laughs> That's why I called myself a jerk bag. Okay. <laughs> uh, hello, everybody. <laughs> hello. I introduced Greg, but I did not introduce me. I'm Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. Indeed he is. And as always, I am Greg, a.k.a. Greg. Yes. So, I kept the news a little light this week. I'm sure we're going to be busy talking about the movie that we saw, which... <laughs> yeah, you guys are in for a ride. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you the bit of gaming news that I've got. Mm. Which is that co-creator of Sonic, Mr. Yuji Naka, has been arrested. <laughs> I know I should probably, even like I'm not, though I'm not big into Sonic, I know I should probably be shocked, but the story of this, to me, is just very funny. <laughs> yeah, so, according to Japanese news outlet FNN, ex Square Enix employee Taisuki Suzaki and his friend Fumiaki Suzuki were arrested on suspicion for insider trading. Developer Aiming was originally set to announce its mobile game Dragon Quest Tact in 2020, Suzaki and Suzuki are alleged to have known details about the game before it was publicly revealed, and reportedly purchased a combined 162,000 shares of aiming for roughly 47.2 million yen, over $335,000 US in advance, with the intent of profiting on a potentially higher stock price stemming from tax announcement. Yuji Naka is now suspected of being involved in the scandal as well, being accused of purchasing 10,000 shares worth roughly $20,000 in aiming for the same purpose of profiting from that reveal. Naka was apprehended by Tokyo District Public Prosecutor's Office, and the investigation is currently ongoing. Hmm. I don't know why, but for some reason, crossover of game developers and insider trading is not one that I ever thought would happen. Oh yeah, no, entirely possible. As soon as you get wind of what a competitor is doing, mm, just feels or even what your so own weird. company is doing, plenty of True. plenty of corporations have insider trading notices of, oh, you can't trade stocks right now because we got big things coming. Hmm just so weird especially so weird for being a guy who's at least partially responsible for creating one of the most iconic characters in video and then games. helping run it into the ground and then helping run it into the ground <laughs> of course he was also partially responsible for balan wonderworld so i mean does that balance it out yeah that game's atrocious okay never mind then <laughs> <laughs> Granted, he was removed as director prior to its release and blamed Square for the game's failure, but there's plenty, of, there's plenty of blame to go around, let's be honest. Right. So, because this is a... I mean, it's still a scandal, and I really shouldn't be laughing about people getting arrested, but at least it's something... not icky. Mm-hmm. It's still icky in a corporate legal sense, but at least it's not something where... I have to be like, oh no, Sonic is tainted forever by this. So, I think this is pretty funny. I think it's funny. It's definitely icky in a moral compass type of way. Is it? It's corporate. Eh, fair. <laughs> well, I guess if there's such thing as the corporate moral compass, it's gone to the level of, we our expectations are already low, but God, man. <laughs> 
I think it's funny. It's definitely the, one of the most out there bits of gaming news in a while. Um, that's for sure. At least for me. Yeah, I was not expecting this. Mm-hmm. This is definitely an out there thing to find out. Oh, yeah. And speaking of surprising corporate shenaniganery and chicanery, mm. Bob Chapek's out as CEO of the Walt Disney Company, and Bob Iger is back in. So I saw that article. I unfortunately, because I don't know the history of those two, I don't know, like, obviously it's a very significant, but I don't know the general significance of it. The thing that surprised me the most was that this news broke and became the headline on a Sunday. Astounding. It's very astounding. And I also imagine probably a little bit disrespectful to the outgoing CEO, because it's one of those things where it's like, it's a Sunday, your chances are you're not like working or at your office or what have you. It's like, hey, guess what? You're out. <laughs> yeah, but Chapek's kind of an asshole. I mean, fair. Completely fair. And by kind of an asshole, I mean, okay, f- for context, mm-hmm. he took over as CEO in February 2020. Really? Which means, to be fair, he had to navigate through some real shit. Mm. But on the flip side, he's also the one who was responsible for the whole Scarlett Johansson getting sidelined by Black Widow having a simultaneous Disney Plus release in the resulting lawsuit. Hmm. He's responsible Mm. for basically all of his underlings rebelling against him because he managed to fuck up by coming out and saying, we're not taking a stance against the Don't Say Gay Bill, which required basically everybody else in the company to be like, no, actually, we're against it. He can say whatever he wants. Right. Requiring him to then backpedal and say, oh no, actually, we're against it, and then stop doing all political donations for a while, which made everybody mad. He has not been doing a good job. Fair. Okay. So I guess this is a change that is definitely more a PR, like, focus change more than anything else. Well, their stock also went way the heck up, apparently. (laughs) I don't know why, but to me that is just, like, incredibly damning. (laughs) It's like... I mean, he's kind of a jerk, but how much of a jerk is he? It's like, the stock for the company just went up significantly. It's like, oh. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That's funny. That is actually kind of funny to me. (laughs) Apparently that happened, at least. Mm, Fair. It's still obviously a developing story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially if it's a story that breaks, like, during the tail end of a weekend, and from what I've gathered, it's just been like, yeah, this guy's out, this person's back in then there's got it there's definitely more going on behind the scenes right and i mean obviously you know it's still oh who's gonna be the head of this big giant multi-billion dollar corporation so it's still icky either way but Mm -hmm. bob Iger was in charge for 15 years oh okay so the last 15 years up until 2020 him yeah, and I would say that was a pretty, at least, solid time for Disney. Right. And they were making progress on some things, while still, you know, yeah. being a giant evil corporation. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, the House of Mouse needs sometimes loses its moral compass in the stash of money that sits in its bathtub. Okay, looks like up 6% today. Hmm. 
So that's definitely a that's definitely a tick. Yeah, that's a, that's a decent tick. They they lost roughly forty percent in twenty twenty two. Oh, okay. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Nutty. Yeah, very. So yeah, it's I guess good to have him back. Well, it can't get any worse. Well, actually, no. It could no, get worse. No. It could one hundred percent get I, worse. I, I very much realize how stupid I because I was that was going to lean into something else. I was like, no, actually, that's stupid. It could one hundred percent be worse. It, like, because this is just Disney, not Warner Brothers. Per the official announcement, the uh, chair of the Disney board said the board has concluded that as Disney embarks on an increasingly complex period of industry transformation, Bob Iger is uniquely situated to lead the company through this pivotal period. Yeah. I mean, the man's been there for 15 years beforehand. World changed a lot between 2005 and 2020, so I would be willing to agree with that sentiment. Yeah. And in the email to employees, Iger said that Disney holds a special place in the hearts of people around the globe thanks to you and your dedication to this company and its mission to bring joy to people through great storytelling is an inspiration to me every single day and did not acknowledge Chapek in the slightest. <sighs> so, bye-bye, Bob. And hello, yeah, Bob. Real. And hello, Bob. <laughs> meeting with the Bobs. And angry meeting with the Bobs. He's the guy who bought Fox. Okay. Iger, Iger was responsible for the Fox buyout, which is terrifying, but also means he's the man who got us Fantastic Four and the X-Men back. So, you know what? I acknowledge that is not really something to get excited about in the wake of everything else that happened, like the shuttering of Blue Sky Studios and termination of the upcoming Fox Slate, but you know what? Shrewd move. I mean, he also got us the last third of Free Guy. He was also there for the acquisition of Pixar, Marvel, and Lucasfilm, so... Oh, okay. So yeah, he's been around the block. Yeah. At the very least, he's a smart guy, unlike Chapek, mm. who does not seem to know what he's been doing. Yeah. Anyways, this is getting weird, and I feel like this bit's going on too long. Let's move on to something else. <laughs> Alrighty. Fresh off the presses, Blade has a new director. Oh, good. 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 <laughs> oh, God, I'd, I'd need that movie. <laughs> Same. Jan Demange, I apologize for the terrible pronunciation, but French, apparently. Mm. French-Algerian. Mm. Is attached to direct, or at least has signed on to direct, and Michael Starbury is writing a new script. Oh, so they're just throwing out the previous script then? Uh, I guess so. Alright. Kind of makes me wonder what ha happened in that particular regard. Allegedly it wasn't great, and you know, that's a whole unsubstantiated grain of salt thing, but... Hey. Hmm. What can you do? Right. This new director... Not a lot in his filmography, but... He won the British Independent Film Award for Best Director with his 2014 film 71... Okay. He was an executive producer on Lovecraft Country, and by all accounts, that's a good show that I've never seen. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> Jonathan Majors was in that one. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's exciting. Honestly, I'm just happy Blade as a director. Yeah, same. That was one where, when it was announced that it was kind of falling behind on the other films due to its like lack of a director, it was like, oh no. No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't put the evil on on Disney, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> nah. Or something along or something along those lines, basically. Yeah, apparently after weeks of meetings and pitches, 
Demange made a pitch that the execs were really excited about, and that landed in the job. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, yeah, here's to hoping. Fingers crossed and all. Blade is still set for release, I want to say November 2024 now. Okay. September 6, 2024. Okay, so a little early. Yeah, we're still, we're a little shy of two years away from that movie. Hmm. I doubt it's moving back up, because they're gonna need time to make this new script and then film based on that. Yeah, if anything, there might be possibly another delay, I guess. God, I hope not. I hope not as well, but we'll see what happens there. Yeah, we will. If nothing else, they probably don't have to make room for a new Thor movie, because Chris Hemsworth is going to be taking a bit of a break from acting. Oh, really? Yeah, apparently it turns out he has a very increased risk of Alzheimer's, and after getting that, he decided to take some time off. Oh, no. That's that's unfortunate. Yeah, unfortunately, he's got two copies of a gene that makes it, like, eight to ten times more likely to develop Alzheimer's than people without both copies. That sucks. That does suck. Hmm. I will say it's just a increased diagnosis, but hey, man, you know what? However you want to live your life, cool, you got the money to make it happen. Yeah, especially, like, Alzheimer's is really just an awful way to go. 100%. Yeah, so, hopefully that's not what ends up happening to him, but I can definitely understand wanting to step away and rethink what's around you after getting news like that. Crash joke incoming, especially after Love and Thunder. (laughs) I would want to rethink some things, too. Oh, jeez. That was mean. (laughs) That was a bit mean. But I will not apologize. Mm. Because I hated that movie. I mean, it was not a good movie, don't get me wrong. (laughs) But anyways, genuinely, all the best. Mm. Hopefully this is nothing, but respect for the decision either way, because you do you. Yeah. You ever want a Deadpool Christmas movie? I don't like where this is going. <laughs> I'm not saying we're getting one. Okay. But, Ryan Reynolds has confirmed that he, Rhett Reese, and Paul Wernick wrote a Christmas movie starring Deadpool that got lost in the shuffle of Disney acquiring Fox. Oh, that's actually genuinely unfortunate. Like, <laughs> I know I just said I don't like the sound of that, but that is one of those things where, if it's being made by buddies especially... I, I that would have a lot of sentimental value. That's very unfortunate. Yeah. So who knows? We might still see it again at some point. I mean, it'd be cool if they made it. I feel like it'd be one of those things where it's a project that's made because a bunch of friends are into it, not necessarily because it's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Plus, who knows? We had Hawkeye and also, I guess, kind of No Way Home in 2021. We got the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special this year. I doubt we're getting a Christmas thing next year, but hey, you never know. Mm. Keep the pattern going. Christmas things right. all the time. <laughs> For sure. Can't stop, won't stop, don't know how to stop. Nothing but Christmas. <laughs> all I Christmas want for Christmas everywhere. is no more Mariah Carey. For real. But also <laughs> this. Mm. At some point. So that was a very abbreviated news section. Okay. Consider it a holiday gift to you, the listeners, and to me, the editor. (laughs) So with that, let's move into trailer time. Alrighty. Should we start with the short one, the teaser trailer for Elemental? 
Yeah. I I am very into this. The aesthetic and the style and the music and everything that was shown in the trailer is very much up my alley. For whatever reason, my brain kept on going, okay, so this is The Sims, but with natural elements. I have no idea why my brain went that way. That is a little weird. Yeah, but I I am into this. Even though it's pretty bare bones and nothing like of major significance is shown, I am very, very interested in this movie. I like that one Olaf-looking guy who ends up getting his hair grown by the water elemental sneezing on him, and then is like, ha-ha! <laughs> yeah, this is... This is cool. Like, I unfortunately, I only watched the trailer once. I didn't, like, rewatch it, so I haven't, like, rewatched it a second time to see, like, pick out more details. But from what I saw just, like, watching it from start to finish, looks really interesting. I'm very curious about, I guess, the world of it all. Mm. I feel like this is definitely going to be a movie that's more centered on, I guess, the world of Elemental than necessarily the characters. No, they've already but, said from synopses it's going to be about those two that we see at the end. Ah, uh, fair, fair. And it's about how are they going to form a connection when they can't really make contact because one is deadly to the other and vice versa. Right. Also, y- you know, I I shouldn't be offended because God knows I make enough puns, but their names are Wade and Ember. <laughs> how dare you? I mean, at least they went with actual names. They didn't go full on on, like, the pun, pun store. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> they didn't go, like, down the pun, like, clearance aisle for two ninety nine. So that's that's good for the most part. Also not a huge fan of the cloud design for the air elementals. The clouds, cloud characters did look a little off. I couldn't exactly say specifically what bothered them about me, but I did think they looked a little off. Well, what bothers me is that clouds aren't air. They're condensed water vapor. Yeah. So I was expecting, like, wind gusts or something. Right. Maybe they thought that would be a little too chaotic and not what they're going for. We'll just have to see. Just not a fan. Fair. And by not a fan, I mean it's still it's still good designs. It's just not what I would have gone for. That's understandable. Shall we move on to the other, less interesting-looking family movie? Okay. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish? Yeah, this is... Okay, well, first off, I do have to say I do appreciate the use of Smash Mouth. (laughs) I don't know how I feel about that, because it just feels like a member-berry moment of just, Member the first Shrek? I member! So that was my thought. That was my thought when that started playing. It's like, okay, they are tapping into the Shrek nostalgia... Fair play, really obvious, but fair play. <laughs> it's especially weird considering this movie doesn't seem like it's really just based on these trailers that we've gotten. It doesn't really seem like it's referencing much of Shrek to begin with, aside from Puss in Boots being a character who debuted in Shrek 2. So it just feels like, why is this connection here? Other than to remind yeah. you, this is Shrek, this is tangentially re- related to Shrek, which we're still not doing anything with. Please go see it. I will say, the, I guess the portion of the Smash Mouth inclusion which lost me was the shooting star and the shooting star lyric behind it. And it's like, okay, I know this song was around, like, literally when I was in, like, elementary and middle school. But kind of hate that a little on bit. On the nose. Not gonna lie. A little on the nose, yeah. <laughs> the animation style was really off-putting to me because 
it's very Pokemon Scarlet and Violet-esque in that sometimes it flows really smooth, and then other times, five frames a second. That I noticed that quite a bit. There were def- several times where I thought to myself, I was like, okay, we're into the Spider-Verse now, but not nearly stylish enough. Yeah, it feels like... Because Into the Spider-Verse, the whole movie runs like that, so you can tell it's a stylistic choice, and the whole movie is designed to flow like that. So that every right. single image in it feels like it could be a really good still frame. Right. This feels like they're just trying to save on the budget for action scenes. Yeah. Because it's mostly during action scenes where it starts to slow down. Yeah, I was thinking it was just poor editing. I thought I was losing internet. <laughs> That's understandable. Ah, the frame well. drops! <laughs> We're buffering. I knew I should have tried to watch this in 1080p! But I mean, it looks funny enough. Yeah, it looks fine. I like the bit where the dog tries talking to him and he says, no hablo inglés, and then the dog starts talking in Spanish. I don't speak Spanish either. (laughs) (laughs) That did get a, that did get at least a smile out of me that they just made the dog very fluent in Spanish. Like, okay. And he just keeps going. Yeah, it's like, alright, you get a point for that trailer. That's why I don't (laughs) pretend not to speak a language, because with my luck, whoever I'm talking to will be fluent in whatever language I try to pretend I do speak. Right. So that felt very relatable. (laughs) Otherwise, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, just fine. Might go see it. Is it, when does this come out? I'm curious now. I think it comes out next year, doesn't it? No, I think it's in December. Hmm. It says 2022. December 21st. Ooh, does this mean it's right around Avatar? <laughs> Is this going to be our option instead of Avatar? <laughs> uh, no, it's five days after. Ah. Damn it. I would actually rather go see this. <laughs> Got any preference what we talk about next? Christmas with the Campos? I'm very confused by this movie. I am very confused by this trailer as well, because it can't seem to make up its mind of whether it wants to like be kind of a run-of-the-mill rom-com or raunchy as hell, and it's kind of a weird mix of both. I feel like this is made by somebody who is like, why don't we turn the awkward, literally turn the awkward as hell Christmas family gatherings into a movie? That is the whole movie, and we're just going to turn the awkward and the spice up to 11. Like, I I dig the idea, but it is very strange to me. I do, that being said, I do wish that I recorded myself, or someone was, like, watching me when it got to the portion of the trailer where the couple are, like, the old elderly couple are in their room, and the wife just goes, like, now why don't we enjoy some purple drink? My eyes, like, <laughs> <laughs> Literally went wide and my and my jaw dropped. I'm like, no. Vince Vaughn is and a then... co-writer and co-producer on this. What do I know him from? <laughs> I have to look this up because I keep getting him mixed up with Rob Schneider for some reason. Mm. You ever see Wedding Crashers? Only bits and pieces. But he's the one who's not Owen Wilson. Oh. Okay. Alrighty. He's in Dodgeball. Oh, God, it's been so long since I've watched Dodgeball. 
Oh, this guy. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why I keep huh. getting it mixed up with Rob Schneider. There's no real resemblance. No, not at all. Yeah, I don't understand it, and I feel very bad about it. <laughs> Couldn't tell you, though. Hmm. I mean... I don't know. As far as this trailer goes, aside... Yeah, I just, I don't think it could make up its mind what it wanted to do. Don't get me wrong, I got a very, very significant laugh out of, like, 60, 70-plus-year-old woman is, like, going, all right, now let's just enjoy this lean together. <laughs> <laughs> that, like, actually nearly killed me. <laughs> I, I do feel like this is going to be just kind of a regular cringe romantic Christmas movie that occasionally will get a, oh, I wasn't expecting that, and I don't know why. Yeah. I would say that that's an accurate, like, description of it. Like, mostly there's one of the mill romance or awkward romance, and then squirrel jokes or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll find out. I mostly just put this one on the list because everything else sounded interesting, and I thought, well, I need to put one thing that might be a dud on here. Otherwise, that's no fun. <laughs> Honestly, I thought you put it on there because of the purple drink and lean jokes. No, I hadn't seen it when I put it on the list. Greg, half the time I put these trailers on here and I haven't seen them. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know what, let's move to the thing that almost didn't make it on the list, but we ended up seeing it anyway in front of the menu. Magic Mike's mm. Last Dance. So unfortunately, I see this not at all being familiar with the... Because this is like a trilogy of movies, right? Yeah, I'm not familiar with the sprawling Magic Mike cinematic universe, I'll admit. Yeah, but I've never seen Channing Tatum. I don't know if it's his character or never, but he it feels like he's just constantly disinterested in everything that's going on for most of this trailer. It did. <laughs> yeah, like... I don't know, because again, since I've never seen the movies, I don't know if his character is just that stoic. But especially, like, when he sees all the dancers practicing, he just goes, Sup? It's like, that's all you have to say to that? <laughs> well, I mean, it is a Steven Soderbergh movie, and he did direct one of my favorite contagious disease-based movies, Contagion. Hmm. Hmm, okay. And Ocean's 11, 12, and 13. Huh. Alrighty. How many of these are they gonna make? <laughs> yeah, for real. The joke is there aren't that many. I don't think. Mm -hmm. I'm. I would. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't interested in this movie because I definitely am. But I just don't know what to take from the trailer. If that makes sense. you know sense. what I took away from the trailer, this movie seems aggressively horny. It is very horny. <laughs> Which, I mean, considering what it's considering that apparently the whole franchise is about Magic Mike being a male stripper. Mm. So, that shouldn't be unexpected. Okay, yeah, that's fair. I definitely got the feeling from the trailer. It's like, okay, whatever this franchise is, one thing that it definitely is is very, you know, body positive and all that, no matter what. Or at least confidence in oneself. But holy hell is this movie horny as hell. Especially for the last bit, where the couple getting drinks are like, Aren't, weren't you a cop? <laughs> her, and it just goes to her uh, bachelorette party of Channing Tatum as like a stripper cop. I'm like, what the hell that, is this? That, that sold me on it, I'll admit. <laughs> I think I let you off with a warning. It's just, oh, I was not expecting that. Well done. 
Yeah, that, I mean, that was the bit that got my interest back up in it. It's like, okay, alright. <laughs> I don't know if that's a callback to one of the previous movies, but yeah, mega horny. <laughs> yeah, originally I was going to include this because it's the third film in a movie series that I hadn't seen, and then I realized, same with Creed. So what's the real distinction here? Right. You want to talk about the old way or inside? Ah, the old way. Because that is, I think this is the me movie of this set. (laughs) It's like Western father and daughter John Wick. Yeah. No, I I was getting mad John Wick vibes from from this whole thing. I need to stop comparing every interesting looking action movie to John Wick, but god damn it. I felt like it was very purposeful here, in all honesty, especially with some of the gun tricks and whatnot that Nicolas Cage does. I got the feeling that it's like, you know, maybe it's pure coincidence, but I felt like the people making this movie were definitely inspired by the John Wick series, which, not the end of the world, nah. but I've, I felt that watching it. But this looks cool. I'm very interested in this. I really want to see this uh, movie. I like that the daughter is in on it. Oh yeah, I, I very much enjoyed that the daughter's in on it. She's like, "Daddy, are we gonna kill the guys that took that killed mommy?" He's like, "Yes, sweetie, you are. Can you teach me how to shoot?" <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's. I don't know. I don't think "adorable" is the right word because it's definitely not given the circumstances, but it definitely does more to draw me in personally. It's adora deplorable. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people don't really go for the angle of include the child in the depraved madness for very obvious reasons. No, no, no. You gotta, you gotta learn them. <laughs> you gotta learn them how to take care of business. Fair. Because otherwise you die, and then they're not prepared when the sequel rolls around. <laughs> that is... I can see that train of thought. I can understand that train of thought. I can't wait for the John Wick sequel when the dog learns how to kill for vengeance. I mean, the dog is a pit bull. It could probably kill, like, with with or without vengeance, in all honesty. And I say that as someone who does find pit bulls cute, but they are... And also, he's a very good boy. He's a very good boy. But generally speaking, those dogs are mean motherfuckers, if... They can be mean motherfuckers. Correction. They can be mean motherfuckers. I will take no pit bull slander on this podcast. (laughs) We do not speak um, in generalities of precious good boys and girls here. That is fair. That is completely fair. If only I was this nice to people. <laughs> Imagine how much different my life would be. Mm. Oh, that's a scary thought. Continue. <laughs> yeah, want to see the old way, that's for sure. Same. Which just leaves inside, a.k.a. somebody let Willem Dafoe out, he's going crazy. Is it bad that I kind of was like, okay, this is a William Dafoe movie by when he started going crazy? A little bit. William Dafoe, I don't think, has ever actually gone crazy. He's not like Gary Busey or anything. No, 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 not in that regard. It's more more so like the role and character that he's playing. Hmm. He put that goblin like, mask back on and realized. Honestly, yeah, like that was my thought watching this. This looks really cool, don't get me wrong. And but I did terrifying. Kind of and terrifying. My thought was, okay, seriously, who designs a house like this? 
This has to break so many OSHA violations. <laughs> you know, back when I still worked in office, I almost got trapped in a hallway. Really? Yeah, so what happened was, I didn't have a badge for the longest time, which I didn't usually need. Hmm. And then, I don't remember why, I stayed later or something, and I tried to go out this one door that was usually how I went in, and that door was locked. And unfortunately, the way back into the rest of the building also required a badge, which I didn't have. Oh. Fortunately, I got a co-worker's attention, but oh, that, that was a oof. that was a tense couple of minutes. Yeah, oh god, my anxiety would have gone crazy in something like that. Anyways, this looks neat. That poor fish. That poor fish. Ugh. Like, survival of the fittest and all, but damn. Did not deserve. <laughs> no. But no, absolutely terrifying prospect. I'm looking forward to it. Willem Dafoe is a damn good actor, and I'm looking forward to seeing his descent into isolation and madness and survival, desperation, and what have you. Hmm. It's gonna be a good time. And by a good time, I mean this is gonna be an absolutely wretched time that I look forward to watching. Yeah, this is gonna be very quality, but deeply uncomfortable. Just how I like it. <sighs> Shall we move into this weekend's box office? We might as well. All right. So, did we see the highest-grossing domestic movie of this weekend? We did when we saw Black Panther. <laughs> yeah, it, this is going to keep on going for a little while, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, probably. It took a, I think, 64% drop in its second weekend, which is pretty on par with movies in this post-pandemic era. Hmm. It took in $66.4 million domestically for a $287.1 million domestic total, and $545 million, roughly, worldwide. That's against a $250 million budget, which means it is taking in some profit at this point, hopefully. Mm. And that also means it's... I'm almost certain it's not going to crack a billion, because barely anything does now. But yeah. it does mean it's on its way to clean up a nice, tidy little profit, because it's still a while before this movie has any real competition. Right, right. Second place, what we saw this weekend, The Menu... Yay. Took in $9 million domestically and in total. Or this weekend and in total. Its grand total uh, is $15.2 million worldwide so far, which, pretty impressive, but it has a budget of somewhere between 30 to $35 million. Oof. So the odds of this movie actually turning a profit are not spectacular. Oh, that's unfortunate. And to that I say... A pox on whoever decided to release this now, because this is a Searchlight Pictures, which means it's formerly Fox, which means it's Disney, which means somebody, Chapek, decided to release this <laughs> the weekend after Wakanda Forever. What the hell is wrong with you? Jesus. I also feel like the marketing didn't do it any favors, but we'll get into that later. Mm -hmm. Right. You're never going to believe what's in third place. Because it's nothing you've heard of. Okay, I was gonna say. Were you guessing Top Gun Maverick? A little bit. Well, it's not. <laughs> it's not even a movie. What the hell is it? It's episodes one and two of The Chosen season three. What's that? <laughs> what? Apparently, it's a TV drama series about the life and ministry of Jesus. That got a theatrical release. Yep. 
future. <laughs> it made eight point two million dollars domestically this weekend and in total. No worldwide Holy release. Jesus Christ. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what I uh I I don't know how to process this information. <laughs> Greg.exe has stopped working, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, I was not expecting that. Didn't even know this existed, to be honest. Yeah, no. Which, to be fair, it's not my wheelhouse, so... I I, mean, I feel like that's a lot of money for a movie like that. Well, it's not a movie, it's or, episodes of a TV show. Well, not show. even a movie, it's a freaking TV show. Gosh, d- god damn it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll... See, yeah, for real. I think this was just like a one weekend event, so it's we're probably not going to see it on the top five. Hmm. Good for it, though. Good for it. Yeah, yeah. Good for the people who made it. Exactly. In fourth place, we have Black Adam. Oh, okay. <laughs> it took in four point six million dollars domestically for a one hundred fifty seven point one million dollar domestic total and three hundred sixty six point nine million dollars worldwide. That is against a hundred ninety five million dollar budget, which means it is making some money, but not a lot. Oh no. And there's probably not much time left before it gets I don't know, maybe it won't get booted out of the top five for a bit still, because you gotta imagine stuff like the menu is gonna drop off, because everybody who is gonna want to see it has seen it. Right. And then in fifth place, I can't believe this is still here, Ticket to Paradise. <laughs> $3.1 one million domestically for a $61.5 million domestic total and $158.5 million worldwide against a $60 million budget, so it's also in that making a neat little profit club, although considering its budget was much smaller, that means that the money it's making back is more significant. Right. So this is a crazy weekend. This is a really weird weekend. I can't wait to see what happens next weekend. Mm-hmm. Once you factor in the holidays and stuff, oh, it's gonna be... It's gonna be a massacre. It's gonna be delightful. Yeah. <laughs> be a Christmas miracle. A Christmas massacre. Mm-hmm. I refuse to pronounce that word correctly. <laughs> it's like whatever you say, man. <laughs> it's like quesadilla. Uh. <laughs> Shall we talk about what's on the menu? We should indeed discuss what's on the menu. So, we saw the menu. It is a dark comedy horror film directed by Mark Mylod, and it stars. Ray Fiennes, Anya Taylor-Joy, Nicholas Holt, and others. And others. Including John Leguizamo. Yeah, apparently this movie is considered to have an ensemble cast, and I definitely believe that with a lot of the people who are here. I guess it's just one of those things where half of the people chosen aren't exactly what I think of when I hear ensemble cast. What do you think? I don't know. I feel like relative to other like big name ensemble cast movies that have come out in the last few years, these are just all actors and actresses who, while absolutely amazing, like everyone in this movie is great, aren't really ones that get the limelight very often. I think it depends on what you're watching. Mm, that's fair. So, uh, you want to try to describe this movie, or should I try to describe <laughs> this movie? 
Um, Without spoiling it. Uh, I mean, see, it's hard to give a description because like you alluded to earlier, because there's been trailers for this movie and the trailers, the trailers actually in retrospect do a phenomenal job of telling you what this movie is about while also giving away very little. But they do not capture the spirit of this movie. But they do not capture the spirit of the movie at all. So I almost wanted to give a description if you've seen the trailer, but honestly, I don't feel like that would do it justice. You know what? I'll take a spin at it. Alrighty. This couple, which, ah, this is hard. <laughs> what, just try not to spoil it? <laughs> trying to trying to provide an accurate description that doesn't spoil anything. Hmm. A chef runs a very exclusive restaurant. Some people show up to dine. Shit goes crazy. Shit gets absurd. <laughs> absurd is the word. Absurd is indeed the word. <laughs> this is a masterpiece. This this movie is actually amazing. <laughs> this is. And I feel weird saying this almost back-to-back after Weird the Al Yankovic story, but this is one of my favorite movies of this year. I mean, considering that I haven't seen Weird Al, and, well, I would, yeah, I would say this is my favorite overall movie. I don't think it's the movie I've liked the most, that still goes to Top Gun, but this is my favorite overall in terms of, well, just honestly, everything. Yeah, (laughs) I think this is probably one of, if not the best movies I've seen this year. It's just, it's not my favorite because my favorite is probably going to be something more like Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness or something. Or who knows. I'd have to re-review everything else I've seen. Might even be... Maybe not the Batman. But you all know what I'm about at this point. (laughs) But this movie is phenomenal. I give it a 10 out of 10. So, same, honestly. Uh, Well, I don't know. Maybe a 9 just because I don't do thriller and horror movies very well. But... Because... I will say if there is anything to kind of be on the nod for, while this movie is definitely a horror movie, it definitely leans more in the thriller aspect. The the movie doesn't really give you a lot of um, chances to kind of calm down and like assess the general situation. It's tense the whole way through. It it is tense the whole way through. Even in the bits where things slow down and they're trying to give like audience members a moment to breathe you still have a little bit of like okay what the hell is about to happen next going on i i hope i hope it doesn't spoil anything but the absolute dry humor angst in this movie is something i have never seen before not since and I love emma 2020 <laughs> have i seen such a sardonic movie yeah it's like this movie is just the perfect mix of Kind of stereotypical, like, British dry, dark humor, while still being incredibly, like, smartass. It's deadpan. <laughs> it's deadpan it's, as hell. It's very deadpan, but it just takes every opportunity to just be to just basically give the audience a middle finger that is still very funny. <laughs> very well acted, too. Everybody knocks it out of the park. Oh, everyone knocks it out of the park. My favorite is, and I actually did, like, look this up. I think my favorite overall, as far as most of the main cast, was Elsa, right. who was played by 
Hong Chow. She's a delight. She is a delight. I'd say for the first third of the movie, in the small bits that she shows up in, she very much steals the show. Honestly, I think she becomes more of a show stealer later on. But then again, maybe it is still in the first third, but... I would say that a lot of her best performance is in the first third of the movie. Like, she is... Oh, God, everyone in this movie is so good. (laughs) It is. They are. It's just, ah, it's so, ah, I love it. Yeah. I was not expecting, I wasn't expecting anything specific from this movie. Like, I won't say I had low expectations, but I wasn't expecting anything specifically. And I was completely blown away. Yeah, I just figured, hey, it's Ray Fiennes and Anya Taylor-Joy. This will be a good time. And it was. And it was. In a profoundly uncomfortable <laughs> sense. You know what? Another cap, in the, another point in this movie's favor, another feather in its cap. Mm. Despite being a horror movie, and despite being decently violent, it's mm-hmm. surprisingly light on blood and gore. I was expecting this movie to be significantly more gratuitous than it was. Yeah, and instead, it's all used very effectively. Yeah, there were... There was a certain angle in the gratuitous nest that I was expecting to have happen, and I am very glad that it didn't go where I, w- where I was thinking, because not only would it be a bit tropey, it also would have been deeply uncomfortable for me if they went the route I thought they were going to. <laughs> no, this was amazing. Very well yeah. paced. There was nary a point where I was like, this feels like it's going on long, where is this going? Yeah. It's just got that amazing, very well-timed sense of humor about everything it does. (laughs) One might even say it's full of little amuse-bouches. Amuse-bouches? What? (laughs) It's a single bite-sized hors d'oeuvre. Oh, okay. And I was making a pun. Fair. Because amuse. Amuse. Oh, oh, okay. All right, we, we I get it. Now. If you got the joke before I explained it, thank you. <laughs> and yes, yeah. I am a poser. <laughs> well, you're not a foodie poser. No, so. absolutely not. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like a nice I like a nice meal as much as the next guy. But mm. Oh, yeah, this movie's great. The comedic timing of this movie was it's literally perfect from start to finish. And the food is interesting, which I don't want to get into too much because it's actually a spoiler, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was interesting. Some of it looks really good, and then some of it... Mm-hmm. I mean, one key thing about this movie, and it's actually one of the themes about the movie as well, is that... And it's, and it's shown in the trailer, so I feel confident in talking about this... It's been it's demonstrated that everyone who takes part of this in this whole like um adventure is a member of kind of like relatively higher society. So a lot of the food that shows up is gonna be along those lines. It's bougie. It's very bougie, which there is really only like one dish during the whole bougie thing that I was like, okay, that kind of looks interesting. And then the very last one was actually the one that made me go, ah, yes, my normie lower middle class tastes are in full effect now. 
Should we move into spoilers? We might as well. Yeah, I guess, final verdict, absolutely go see it. Hope this movie makes some money back. It's for real astounding. It is worth the ticket. Even if you're not super into horror, it's still really good and really well acted and just, ah, it's a delightful time. It's a delightfully uncomfortable time. Just mm. how I like it. So if you don't want to be spoiled, make sure to click away in three, two, one. I can't believe how long it took anybody to die. Yeah, it took quite a bit. And honestly, I thought that the first person to die was going to be one of the guests. Instead, it was one of the sous chefs. You were like, you were correct in that Tyler was the first one to die in the party. I was, but I was disappointed in the way that he died. <laughs> I thought it was fine. So, anyways, now that we're into spoilers, the crux of the movie is that the is Chef Slowick, played by Ray Fiennes, is planning to kill all of his diners who are there that evening, himself, his staff, everybody dies. That's his plan, because he is fed up with his life and his job. He feels like all the airs he has to put on and everything he's had to do to get to the level of success that he's at has absolutely ruined his craft, and he's sick of it, and so he is taking it out on himself, and in his mind... Not necessarily the people who enabled it all the time, because some of them are just petty grudges. This is not a man with an actual solid vendetta, which is something I like about this movie a lot. This is not a man who is justified in what he does. It's not. I thought it was going to be some big revenge thing where almost everybody at the party had personally wronged him in some profound, deep, justifiable way. Turns out, nah. One guy he just wants to kill because he was the star of a movie that he saw on his day off and hated, and he was like, I pour everything I've got into my craft and I can't stand to see this guy phone it in. You get to die. <laughs> he kills the For guy's whatever. assistant because she doesn't have any student loan debt and went to Brown. Yeah. Which, maybe she got a scholarship, I don't know. Yeah, no. Petty. I, I mean, <laughs> that bit was great because she's just like, what happens to me? Where did you go to school? Brown? Any student loans? No? Sorry, I'm you're sorry. dying. <laughs> <laughs> He's amazing. He's so he is amazing. done with everything. <laughs> and my favorite part about it is that Nicholas Holt's character, who it turns out is not Anya Taylor-Joy's boyfriend, but actually just hired her. She is a high-class escort, let's say. Mm-hmm. And... He hired her, even though he knew in advance everybody was going to die, because he is so fanatically devoted to Slowick's cooking that he wanted to experience it, and because the place doesn't seat single diners, he needed a date, and his girlfriend broke up with him. So he hired Anya Taylor-Joy's character of Margot, not her actual name. And that's astounding. The most astounding part of it is, for as done as Chef Slowick is with everything... He's super done with Tyler. Yes, and he gets done with Tyler, like, almost immediately, too. <laughs> you can feel the... It's an almost Alan Rickman level of disdain dripping off some of his interactions. There's a point when he's doing a whole bit about tea being cleansing and what have you, and then Tyler just goes, 
Excuse me, is this Bergamot in here? Yes, it's Bergamot. And you could just tell he's just like, I'm in the middle of something, <laughs> fuck boy. <laughs> I like how I he like died. I did. I was fine with how he died, but I wanted to see more of Anya Taylor Joy beating the shit out of him. Yeah, apparently she added that part. Oh, that was ad libbed? I don't know about ad lib, but she suggested it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, no, great. <laughs> In a completely reasonable reaction no. to such a situation. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I could have stood to see more of it, but I think how he went out is relatively fitting in the sense of, as Sloic points out, he's a foodie with no actual talent himself. All he does is just go on at length about all the techniques and stuff, but has no ability to back it up himself, which, you know, you don't have to be good at something to enjoy it. Yeah, I know. But he is so single-mindedly, neurotically, narcissistically obsessed in a way that he seems to think that it makes him important. Mm. That he knows this stuff. So, what ends up happening is, Slowick invites him up, gives him a chef jacket, scrawls his name on it with a marker, and then offers to let him cook whatever he wants, and all the courses have just a a camera shot devoted to what they are, and then a descriptor of what they are. And when we get to the dish Tyler makes, it's just called Tyler's Bullshit. <laughs> and it's described in the most condescending ways. <laughs> so Slowick eats it, calls it bad proceeds to just mention how Tyler is terrible because he takes all the mystery out of this art and is just a disgusting little hanger-on toady, whispers something to him, and that inspires him to kill himself. <sighs> it was great. It was great. This is... Oh, God. This... <laughs> and I'm underselling... I I'm talking so much about everybody who isn't Anya Taylor-Joy. She's great in this... Because she, by virtue of not being on the intended guest list and therefore not being part of this upper class that Slowick really wants to tear down, she sees through the bullshit in a way that nobody else does. Right. It's phenomenal. The... I don't want to skip to the ending. No. I will say, though, the way they use her is really good. Because since she doesn't come from the upper echelon, she ends up being the person that, not sure if necessarily by accident or whatnot, relates to to Slovik the most. Slovik. Slovik, sorry. But relates to him the most. Like, there are several times in the movie where he takes her aside to talk about the general situation and learn more about her. And I feel like they are the most genuine conversations that this man has had in a very long time. Um, in large part because how one of the aspects that's touched upon in this movie or one of the themes is the ability to do your job versus the enjoyment of the job. It's, like Cody was saying earlier, a big thing with this movie is that Slovak is doing what he's doing because he hates the people who are tied to his job and by proxy he hates the job. He's lost all the passion for it. In a similar sense, we get a the same thing from Margot and the Taylor Joyce character in that even though she's in the, for lack of proper terming, so YouTube doesn't get mad at us, service industry, 
and how at one point she enjoyed it, but at a certain point, especially with some of the clients that she had to deal with, you know, just doesn't love it as much as she used to. And it's with that that's like, all right, this is kind of a this is the whole like super villain evil plan thing. This is a genuine conversation from with two people who are just kind of generally done with the situations their work puts them in. And I feel like that's definitely a portion of the movie where, minus the murder, <laughs> most people can at least relate to on a certain degree. <laughs> oh yeah, that was some of the realest shit there. Yeah, and that was kind of the thing too for me as well with Slowick, how he outlines how everyone in this upper echelon of eatery and whatnot have killed his interest, how they're just an insult to the thing that he spent his life so passionate for. And during all this, I'm thinking to myself, it's like, you know, I'm not going to lie. I 100% understand where you're coming from, but... Cool murder, still murder. <laughs> yeah, it's like, these are still obnoxiously creative ways of murdering people. <laughs> like, the most pretentiously creative homicide I've ever seen in my life, which, as enjoyable as it is to watch kind of takes away from any sympathy you could possibly get, my man. You know what? I'll give him a little bit of sympathy in the form of as much... He still thinks he's better than them to an extent, mm -hmm. but he also acknowledges, mostly implicitly, but still, that part of why he's here is his own fault. And that mm -hmm. is why I think he includes himself in everything that happens, and he does not plan on sparing himself from the events of the night. There's also the fact that, from what we understand, one of his sous chefs is the one who came up with the idea of killing everybody, and he was especially rotten to her in particular, so it might also be a form mm -hmm. of penance there, but I think a lot of it's also a case of, yeah, my whole environment contributed to this, but I let it get this far. I am part of my own problem. Right. Um, let's see. What else was there? Because there, God, there's so many bases in this movie. This is one of the more enjoyable aspects of the movie. Like, we've talked about how great everyone is, but really do want to emphasize everyone, including kind of the smaller, like, side characters, do a good job and are very interesting to follow. Like, with the, the sous chef that Slowik has been bad to, she, in the most chipper and kind of adorable way ever, goes, actually, it was my idea to have everyone die. I'm very proud of that. <laughs> just like, oh, that is some wonderful acting. Because otherwise there's no point. You just eat your meal and then you go home. And what is that? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, damn, that's good. And again, want to give Elsa, played by Hong Chao, massive props in this movie, just because of all the bit, I feel like that she does the most to be the angsty character for the first third of the movie. So one of the sets of guests that are in it are three dudes who are kind of corporate money guys. We find out later on that they actually work for the gentleman who has been bankrolling Slowick's restaurant for like several years at this point. One of the dishes that's brought out is a roasted chicken breast with tor with the tortilla and the tortilla has special like engravings that have been laser cut on it 
but each of these engravings relate to something to each of the guests. And it's all something insulting or vaguely threatening or something something that illustrates what it is about them in particular that has marked them for death. In one right. case, for a critic, it's the restaurants that she got shut down with her reviews. For for Tyler, it's just him taking pictures of the food, despite being instructed <laughs> not to. Yeah, and in the case of the corporate guys, it's all of the illegal bank transfers they've been doing to offshore accounts. And one of the guys calls Elsa over and goes, Excuse me, what is this? And she just stands there and goes, This is a tortilla! <laughs> Tortilla Delicioso! <laughs> so good! <laughs> In a movie full of crowning moments of absurdity. That's probably not my favorite, but it's up there. It And it was this really weird mix of kind of terrifying, but also oddly adorable. <laughs> but just really funny, as if to say, oh, fuck you guys. <laughs> You know what I want to know? Mm. Who's the chef who had the idea of giving a little, a little snack to the winner of to the last person to get caught during the man's humiliation stage? Oh my god, that was so great! <laughs> because it is because that last bit. So there's a whole bit where all of the men that are in the party have 45 seconds to run away from the restaurant and try their best to escape the island. Surprise, surprise, none of them make it. But the last guy is literally hiding in a chicken coop. And it's very quiet. And it's very tense. And then, like, something out of a fucking McDonald's commercial. Uh, one of the chefs just peers through and goes, Here! This is the special treat for the last person to be found during the hide-and-seek. <laughs> it's just like, what, what the hell? <laughs> oh, man. Uh... <laughs> uh. God, I, I say, I don't know, do you want to cover the final act yet, or do you still have other things to say about I, the rest of the movie? I think I've got it. I think that covers it. Hmm. So, the ending of the movie... Is brilliant. It is. It's a hundred... It's amazing. <laughs> it's a big part of why this movie is a 10 out of 10. Yeah. So, Sloak has spent this whole movie trying to convince Margot that she doesn't belong with the rest of the guests, she belongs with them. And it doesn't matter, because they're all going to die anyway. Hmm. But he insists that the distinction matters. Under the prospect of helping him by retrieving a barrel, she breaks into his cottage, which it turns out is stylized exactly like the restaurant, because the man is fucking crazy. It was actually insane. <laughs> But behind a door, there is an office full of newspaper clippings, basically documenting his rise to fame, but also kind of showcasing his descent into misery. Mm-hmm. And she figures, based on these photos, that the, it looks like the last time he was genuinely happy with what he did was when he was just a burger cook. And so, mm. at the end, when they're all about to die... She stands up and gives this absolutely scathing speech about how it's all bullshit. <laughs> how, despite everything he says about his love for food, nothing he's done at all that evening has been made with love, which is how the menu plays in, because it's all this absolutely pretentious, hot cuisine BS based around mm-hmm. 
nature or otherwise taking digs at the guests, and she calls it out on the intellectual flexing that it is. <laughs> and then says, to his absolute horror, that she is still hungry. <laughs> and he he does look like it's like, you did not just say that. That is the look on his face. <laughs> it's genuine, oh god, what? <laughs> and they proceed to get into the most ridiculous bantery converse. It's not even banter, but it feels like banter. It does feel like banter. Of just her ordering a cheeseburger. A basic <laughs> cheeseburger. And with fries. With fries. It's like, can I get fries with that? Is the air fryer still on? Yes, Jeff. Crinkle cutter, Julianne. <laughs> and like, there's even a conversation. How much is it going to set me back? Nine ninety-five. It's just what. <laughs> the whole thing is nutty. So he makes his cheeseburger painstakingly, and it's a it's it's a simple enough cheeseburger, but it's you can tell it's very well made. Oh, it looks delicious. We had a running gag of saying "well done" and then me saying "no." She asked for it medium. <laughs> And By the way, if you get your meat well done, you are actually a monster. <laughs> you know what? For burgers, I'll say it's almost acceptable. Mm. Almost. I would never do it. No, I wouldn't either. I would go medium or medium rare. Maybe medium mm. well. But I can almost get it. Mm. So, he proceeds to make her this, and she actively enjoys it, and you can tell that it's really yeah. good because it was actually made with care and out of an actual love for what it was. And then she says, this is this is great, but I think my eyes are a little bigger than my stomach. Understandable, given everything. Could I get it to go? And then he proceeds to pack it up <laughs> in a to-go box with a gift bag and just lets her walk. <laughs> She just gets to leave because she's the one person who got it. Yeah. She cut through all the bullshit and actually engaged with him on the level he was hoping. I still cannot believe that that works. Or maybe it wasn't a plan. Maybe he... I feel like there was a point when he said, you all could have tried harder to escape if you'd wanted. Mm-hmm. Or to fight it. He said something along the lines of, you all could have made an attempt. Implying that maybe, who knows, there was a way. It could also be, he was just genuinely rocked by her challenging him on that level, and in making this simple thing, it was like, yeah, this is what I miss. This is the whole reason I was doing this. Oh my god. Thank you for that. So it could have been planned, it could have been genuine, it could have been spur of the moment off the cuff, who knows. And then... Because the movie doesn't end with her walking out the door. Because oh, no. <laughs> there's still the rest of the guests. Yeah. Who all proceed to pay their checks. She did too. She left a 10 on the counter. Don't worry. Tip was included, so she didn't stiff anybody on that. Right. Just in case you were wondering. <laughs> I feel that's very important. Mm. Because it, it would make her very unsympathetic if she didn't tip when it was expected. Yeah, no, that would be real shit. <laughs> we say about this murderous chef man. <laughs> she proce- so so Slowick then proceeds to go on about s'mores <laughs> and just starts decorating the floor of the restaurant and starts adorning all the rest of the guests who also receive gift bags, mind you. Mm. One of which 
gets one containing their own severed finger. Makes sense in context. Right. <laughs> one of the gorier bits of this movie. Oh, yes. And so the rest of the staff proceeds to start fitting the guests with coats made out of marshmallows and hats made out of chocolate. And Slowick, standing in the middle of his own pyre, proceeds to burn the restaurant to the ground. It was one of those weird things where I'm watching it play out and I know what's about to happen, but I'm thinking it's like, they are not about to do suicide s'mores. What the hell? And it's, <laughs> it it's just the perfect <laughs> blend of this is really horrifying on the page. Mm -hmm. But when you see it play out intentionally... It's just, it's so 100% intended absurd that even while you're like, even while you're gasping in horror at realizing that they are all doomed, it's still fucking funny. Yeah, it was, it's definitely one of those things where the absurdity makes it circle back around to being fucking hilarious, especially when... As, like, the fire is going down, we see all these people have, like, very much accepted their fate at this moment. And have just completely checked out. And I think at one point all of the guests also go, we love you too, chef. And one of the patrons, there's just, like, a close-in shot of the chocolate melting on her head. <laughs> and her just closing her eyes and the chocolate going in her eyes. I'm just like, why is this funny? This is fucked up. Because it's just, it's just weird. <laughs> It's exactly the intellectual bullshit that Margot refused to play with, and that's why she left. <laughs> but it's astounding. It's just, oh, I love it so much. Mm. If I wasn't super busy, I would go see it again. I might do it anyway. Oh, yeah. Who knows? Yeah, this is... I gotta go see it again just so I can see if I can spot that one Coast Guard guy in the lineup. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, oh god. Dude, this this movie was great. It was. <laughs> this movie's fucking amazing. It's definitely... I don't think I could call the movie as an entirety from start to finish original, but as far as all the ingredients that have been put into it, haha, food <laughs> <part>. <laughs> This is overall, like, there's a lot of very original ideas and, and just things put into this movie that never would have thought would ever go together. Like, I never had food-focused horror movie anywhere on any of my bingo cards. Nah. So so for that, it's like the concept overall has a lot of originality going for it. Like, this is cool. It does. While describing it to a friend, I completely unintentionally described something in it as perfect chef's kiss. And then I realized <laughs> what I said, and I just started dying. <laughs> I mean, this movie is just pure, just wow. <laughs> it's, it's immaculate. Indeed. And if Chef Slowak heard us say this, he'd probably burn us to death, too. Oh, yes. I think that about wraps that up. Yeah, I, I think that's a... I think that covers, well, it doesn't cover all the bases, but there's so many bases that can't be covered unless you actually see them play out. Yeah, it's, it's got layers. And it's, and it's worth it. Layers like s'mores. Or a and souffle. It's worth it. <laughs> or a souffle. I don't know why I said that. There's no souffle in the movie, but. 
<laughs> In any case, uh, thanks so much for listening. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, follow us on Spotify, RSS, or Facebook, whatever, any of them, all of them, do whatever you want. And next week, hopefully devotion? Hopefully devotion. It's gonna be hard to shake because of our, we're probably not seeing this one together, that's for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm gonna do what I can to see it, because this is a movie I'm very interested in. Yeah, push comes to shove, I'll definitely see it. Who knows? If it doesn't work out, maybe we'll end up with either me describing a movie that is much more your speed, or maybe <laughs> I'll just say, fuck it, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Right. In any case, thanks again for listening, everybody. And I bid you farewell. Thank you again for dining with Under the Bridge. Good night, everybody. Tip your waitress. Tip your waitress. <laughs>